Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, December 1st, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? I kind of missed when I had less sense of the months when we didn't do this podcast. It hits kind of roughly when you put it that bluntly twice a week. I can't escape it at all. Uh, other than that, I'm doing okay. How about you? I am battling right now. I'm not sure if our listeners can hear it in my voice, uh, but got my booster last week and fought that off on the last podcast or or two ago. And uh, not COVID, but definitely got hit by something else uh, this week that I'm just fighting off. It It is that time of the year, cold and flu season. And even though I rarely leave my house, somehow I managed to to pick it up along the way. So uh, flu flu game for me tonight, but hopefully be able to provide just as uh, consumable a piece of media. Dropping 40, here he goes. Uh, maybe you picked something up because you never pick something up. That's true. I feel like I've had enough sicknesses in my day and I pride myself on not being quite a germaphobe, but aware <laughs> of germs and, and healthy practices some things you just can't escape uh, and it feels like it's catching up with me i think some people more aware of what you can and can't escape than others and upset about it but i just have so many memories of you as like a 10 12 year old on the public transit freaking out at touch us touching poles and trying to stay standing and stay like have as little few points of contact as you can throughout the whole ride you know what? I still kind of am like that. The, the subway system grosses me out no matter. Yeah, we, people don't change. They they like alter and mutate, but that like core founding things, they like don't just go away. Nope. And one of those things for me and you is sports. Transition game dropping 40 already. <laughs> and that is what we are here to do. Here to talk sports on this Thursday evening. Uh, a little bit of football a lot of basketball, uh, and I guess we don't really have to give it its own section, but I wanted to shout out Mitch Marner for his 18-game point streak, tying uh, Daryl Sittler and Eddie Olchek for the longest active point streak by a Maple Leaf player, uh, and it took all the way to the very end of the San Jose game for him to pot the empty netter on his second attempt. Uh, pretty emotional moment. Uh, everyone very excited for him at that game. And uh, who knows, maybe he'll be able to set the record coming up in in the Leafs next game. But he has been fantastic. It looks like Matthews is starting to heat up, which is a bad side for the league. And and the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're on that run. It it didn't really feel like this was the run, but it, it was last year's month of November. And, and this year's month of November as well has, has looked kindly upon the Maple Leafs. They now are on a six-game winning streak. I feel like we published our clip, man, the Leafs keep losing in overtime. And then they started winning in regulation right around. And when those uh, two go back to back, it feels like a point streak rather than a turnaround. And we retroactively look back on some of those losses a lot more fondly. Mm -hmm. I think something like 11-3-2 or 11-1-2, it's been a really good month of November for the Leafs. 8-0-2 in their last 10 and nothing's changed in the division. 
still below Boston, above Tampa, likely to face one of those two teams come the playoff run, even if they can somehow continue this push and the Bruins falter, we still end up in that one seed and it means we've pushed a good team down and we probably end up playing a Tampa, a Boston, maybe even like an Islanders or some other team from the Atlantic that falls down. Uh, so happy to see the regular season success. It means absolutely nothing for the playoffs. So it's nothing else. Nice to see the hometown uh, love for Mitch. So way to yeah. go. And that's really where we sit with that team. But fans enjoy this streak while it lasts. It's definitely been some really watchable hockey. Yeah. Jumping into the football fan cave here. We actually have a great week 12 slate. Uh, in the NFL ahead of us, not to mention uh, if you are a college football fan, the championship weekend is upon us uh, in the NFL and the last weekend before we set the final rankings in the college football playoff. A lot of final scenarios that could settle out here, but definitely going to keep an eye on that this weekend. On the NFL side of things, uh, like I said, really solid slate. I've picked out seven games here to just quickly run through. Uh, starting in the afternoon with the Packers and the Bears. Typically a really fun uh, rivalry matchup that has been one-sided for the last decade or so, uh, even longer. And with Justin Fields set to come back, uh, was healthy in practice today, could be an opportunity here for the Bears to finally get some revenge near the end of uh, Rodgers' career as him and the Packers are a little bit banged up and and definitely on the downwards trajectory uh, on this season. It's looking like a, a wash for them. Tough loss last week. And the Bears is a team that they've beaten consistently and, and they definitely have the, the confidence and swagger to beat this team. But this is the Bears, one of the Bears' best opportunities to beat their rival uh, in a while. So looking forward to seeing how that one shakes out. The New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings will play as well. Uh, it feels like these two have played each other a bunch already this season for some reason. Uh, probably just because the Vikings have played the other teams in the Jets division. But uh, this one should be interesting. Uh, a pretty high-octane offense in Minnesota going up against the New York Jets' uh, highly vaunted defense. And the Jets got a riveting performance from Mike White last week uh, and able to win that game against Chicago. Let's see if he can do it against a, a tougher opponent here in Minnesota because uh, otherwise then the Jets really, it feels like they're a quarterback away from being a true, true contender. Uh, and if Mike White can prove that he can rise to the challenge against these tougher top tier uh, defenses, then they could have something and, and look to make a run here towards the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles. This one's going to be smash mouth. Tennessee loves to drag teams down to their level of football. Hard-nosed, run the ball, run the clock. Uh, all those kind of line of scrimmage battles that Cincinnati, Cincinnati was able to beat them at last week. And now they go and play the number one team in the league, Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a game that Philadelphia has to be very careful about. They established their run game against Green Bay last week and looked really solid and made a case that they can play that style of football come the cold months here uh, and, and in the playoffs. But this is an upgrade over a Packers defense that 
while looks good on defense uh, on paper, their defense hadn't necessarily ever been great against the run. This Titans uh, team can run the football and they can stop the run. So Philadelphia, if they can win this one in convincing fashion, then there's no doubt in my mind that they're the team to beat come playoffs. Moving along here, Commanders, Giants, uh, important one. We are very close to having all four NFC East teams in the playoffs, uh, which would be unique. And, and the first time we've seen that happen in the new seven-team uh, playoff format in each conference. And this is a big one for one for one of those teams. Uh, they still play each other once more before, before the end of the year, but big divisional game to see who's going to be in the driver's seat for uh, one or both of those wildcard spots to finish out the year. Uh, then we've got the Browns and the Texans. This typically would not be anywhere on my watchable list, but it is the first game back for Deshaun Watson in his former uh, team's building. So interesting to see what kind of reception he will receive and how good he's going to look instantly because Cleveland basically going to have to win out the rest of the year if they want a playoff spot. And probably a big pressure test. Exactly, exactly. Last two games here, these are going to be really, really fun. Uh, afternoon games, Miami and San Francisco. Uh, Miami, just unbelievable offense. They shred people. They scored 30 points in a matter of minutes against Houston uh, last weekend and then basically just stopped playing uh, and rode that out for the win. But they're going up against a much stronger San Francisco uh, defensive line. Nick Bosa has been a monster this year, uh, and and the rest of that San Francisco 49ers defense is, is really, really solid. Uh, and then, of course, McCaffrey joining the offense. It, it's starting to click there. They didn't put up a ton of points against New Orleans, but they did what they had to, and I think this could be a pretty high-scoring game that's going to be really entertaining uh, against the Dolphins. And then the last one here, the rematch of the AFC Championship game from last year. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Cincinnati is really hot right now, and their defense does not give up points in the second half. But Patrick Mahomes loves running game-winning drives and back-breaking drives in the second half. So it is going to be a battle of super confident, super special quarterbacks, uh, a couple of bend-but-don't-break defenses, and Jamar Chase, I believe, is coming back for the Bengals. So... Oof, this one's gonna be so fun. Uh, there's gonna it's gonna come down to the final drive, I think, and uh, there's gonna be some pretty special plays made. So that's definitely the one to circle and star for any football player uh, fans this weekend. And and really looking forward to all of the games. It's it's gonna be big in terms of implication for playoffs. We're getting to the crunch time point of the season. I actually don't remember who you picked on Monday night between the Steelers and the Colts. The Steelers, the Steelers taking it. All right, there you go. So we're on a bit of a run here, I believe. Tonight, this one kind of does catch my eye. The Bills and the Patriots. Who have you got? It has to be the Bills. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not the great value pick because uh, they're going to be so heavily favored. But the last two meetings or three meetings now that these two teams have had, the Bills have rinsed the Patriots. They've just flip the whole script on that uh, matchup rivalry-wise. And and without Tom Brady, the Patriots just have lost the number on the Bills, and, and Buffalo's been able to to give it right back to them, all the 20 years of punishment they had before. So I am going Buffalo in this one, and it, it should be rather handily. 
All right. Each team, neither too fresh uh, nor too tired, coming one week off of playing last Thursday. Uh, last second win for the Bills and a last second loss for the Patriots, featuring a special teams collapse, which something to consider heading into this one. I think that's that for football. And as we move on to basketball here, I'll start by saying I sometimes hate having a twice a week podcast because it feels like every time without fail, the game I get the most invested in, have the biggest take, ends up being the most stale. Um, minutes after we finished our recording our last podcast, I went and threw on the Raptors Cavaliers game, which is now three days out. And uh, I don't know, that kind of investment kind of takes something out of me i didn't find myself getting into any other games nearly as much throughout the rest of the week on the raptors getting blown out pretty spectacularly in new orleans so i'm gonna run through this a bit quicker than the level of detail this the notes i have and then i actually didn't watch this new orleans game so if there's anything in here that you or kind of resonates with anything you saw or you want to take it in its own direction we can wrap up our raptors week like that was a wonderful night against cleveland though the main story heading in pascal siakam's return and it looked like the return of the toronto raptors that we saw in that first 10 or so games before siakam got injured where the length contributes to defense which contributes to transition offense and this team just shuts the other down um, admittedly they were without jared allen who i think took a chunk out of their offense and some length and size on their defense as well but when you hold the other team to just 88 points when you hold donovan mitchell to just eight which was the first game in 130 where he was a single digit scorer, uh, you really did something right. The other thing that uh, the Raptors had kind of hung their hat on to get through this 500 with all the injuries has have been offensive rebounds. And that was a bit of a worry going in because Cleveland rebounds the ball quite well. Uh, and wondering if if we still had that rust and that thing that had been working for us was no longer working, how would that go? That's what it looked like in the first quarter to me, kind of a back and forth 50-50 game, Cleveland a bit ahead. And it was when we started winning those 50-50 battles on the offensive boards that it felt like we really started going. Uh, and when we got a few of those second chance points, that's when our defense started really locking down. That seemed to be where more turnovers generated. Uh, that got us those transition points. So the second chance points, the transition points, more defense, all of the ones followed the other and that's when it really turned into a raptors game uh, so i think defense the number one story of why the raptors won this second got to give it to the two biggest stars for me it's number one og ananobi number two pascal siakam in his return ananobi largely responsible for the clamping of mitchell that i talked about earlier uh, the most impressive thing was how invisible he was to me uh, after the first quarter, I hardly noticed any touches Mitchell had on the ball, and that's a credit to Ananobi's defense, just keeping him so locked down uh, that 
there weren't a lot of open passes to him and the times he did have the ball he was forced to get rid of it because there was no openings and no lanes for him to attempt anything particularly remarkable uh, this was compounded by a beautifully efficient night on offense by Ananobi three of four from the three-pointer line which was a nice return in his three-point shooting and eight of 13 from the field in general with a lot of great mid-range touches like sometimes his offense especially in early seems so stagnant between i can either catch and shoot from three or i'm gonna bully ball bowling ball to dunk uh through the paint he's slowly adding that mid-range fade to his game still working on the versatility of it and the ability to problem solve between those options to get the best look consistently uh, but i thought jack armstrong had a really nice point that OG's play of late has kind of been reminiscent of the steadiness that the quiet Leonard had, uh, where whether it's on defense, whether it's on offense, off the ball, I think less off the ball offensively for OG, but certainly on the ball, whatever the next move he takes, it seems calm, it seems reasonable, it seems like a smart move, and there's no panic or urgency. Obviously, still some offensive fouls, still plenty of turnovers there to work on, uh, but I thought it was an interesting and nice comparison. Okay, the main star of the show, Pascal Siakam, who cooled down a bit in the second half, but man, he, it was like he was never gone, and I think that a credit to the Toronto Raptors uh, medical staff uh, for making sure he rehabbed the injury and came into the game with all his skills um, just as peak as running where he left off. Um, right back, though, to those ridiculous makes that you would hold your breath and be a bit upset if you saw anyone else taking but he's done them so consistently now that you have faith uh, 18 11 and 5 7 and 14 i feel like a bunch of those misses came in the second half after a ridiculously hot start uh another big spark that got the raptors ahead uh, was getting a couple last second bailouts on baskets and Siakam started that with just a catch and shoot three off an inbound play with like a second left uh, that really sprung the offense and once they got ahead is when they never looked back there and it it wasn't a niche take but the team got such better looks at the three-point line with Siakam's gravity even with if he was off the ball, just the way defensive have to attend to him uh, gives everyone slightly more breathing room. Uh, the last thing on this game I wanted to shout out was just the patience. There was one play in particular where he drove it down on the fast break and had uh, C.D. Osman guarding him. Uh, he looked around, thought about attacking the rim, but realized all the Raptors weren't set in the half court yet and that if he attacked, the double team would come and the Raptors wouldn't have the fifth man open because they weren't set in their positions left yet. So he just sits out further in the mid-range where a double team would expose the defense too much, waits for the Raptors to set up, and then slowly inches his way into his office and then checks for the double team, sees it isn't coming, and gets to work, runs almost the entire shot clock in this play, but you could just see the decision-making happening in real time. It was beautiful to watch. Uh, last thing I wanted to shout out this game are the minutes rotation and depth this team had. Uh, with Siakam back, with basically the full lineup, uh, it is going to get even better with Otto Porter Jr. and Precious Achua, but no one was asked to do too much, and that was such a beautiful thing. Uh, Thaddeus Young 
and Hernan Gomez stepping up one of the bright spots in that injured patch and Nurse rewarding their play by letting them retain their starting roles this game. And that let Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. come off the bench where I think the limited role really served the style of play. Uh, Trent was able to just be a scorer off the bench and I found, again, it relates to what I was saying about Siakam and creating three-point chances, but much more efficient and uh, having to run an offense less just less weight on his shoulders meant a lot less of those um kind of hero ball no one else can even try to generate a shot so i'll do a little and get it uh scotty barnes clearly struggling right now at this point in the season uh i thought offensively he had a couple bad decisions with the ball but with so much talent, with so much else going around him, he didn't have to keep trying those. And I did like a lot of the decisions he made defensively, being in place, being in the right rotation, stepping up on the man. Uh, there was another one where he had a turnover trying to lob to Boucher as we were running it early in the fourth, which like at that point in the game, you don't want to be giving up quick transitions the other way. You're ahead by double digits, but he did a great job making up for it, getting back, hustling defensively, getting the stop. Uh, when we have such a full rotation, it lets him not worry about the offense if it isn't coming to him and still contribute. Okay. That went on longer than I meant to. Oh, anything from that, or do you just want to move on to the Orleans game, which had a lot less positive takeaways? Yeah, the the minutes and the rotations is an interesting thing to talk about, just with how many different lineup combinations the Raptors have used this season. Um, of course, they go with Thaddeus Young alongside uh, Fred VanVleet, Scotty, Pascal, and OG in, in last night's game against the Pelicans. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is kind of the odd man out in this team, it feels like right now, just with how poorly he played the last stretch and getting moved to the bench, but he has looked really good off the bench in the last two games. Uh, he'll be up for a new contract at the end of this year, so they're going to try and get him in the best position to maximize his value. I think that's the sixth man bench score because the offense has really, really struggled uh, unless one of Fred Van Vliet or Pascal is on the floor. And that kind of showed up in the New Orleans game as we transitioned to Wednesday night where it was night and day between the Raptors' performances. Uh, I don't know if you chalk it up to a schedule loss where they've had to travel down to New Orleans. It's a pretty fun city to be in uh, no matter what day of the week. And you play an hour later than you normally used to. And you get run out by this super young and athletic team, right? Ingram and McCollum not playing. So you think you're you're in for an, a lighter night, and, and Zion has his best game of the season, just a wrecking ball. I think he took eight shots in the first half and had 17 points, five rebounds, four assists, and two steals. Um, he's not a great on-ball defender and doesn't move super quick laterally, but he's got great hands, and he was able to pick off a couple passes and knock a couple balls loose uh, as the off-ball defender. And then, of course, in transition, he's simply unstoppable. Uh, he had a fantastic game. And then it's guys like Alvarado, Marshall, uh, Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Larry Nance, uh, that are just so long and disruptive. And the Raptors, a team that historically has not been great in the half court, could not generate any offense. And they had a lot of pressure on them. And they couldn't get the same open looks. 
uh, and, and the Pelicans able to just get out and transition and find their athletic dudes. They knocked down their shots when they were open, and it led to just a drubbing. And uh, it's a frustrating one as the Raptors have kind of taken two steps forward and one step back so far in the early going of the season. Another game that I wanted to talk about from this week, the Mavericks versus Golden State Warriors. When you have the two leading scorers in the NBA going up against each other, you get your anticipation up, and this one did not disappoint. Luka Doncic leads the Mavs to the win, dropping 41 points along the way. In typical Mavericks fashion, they had to blow a 17-point lead doing so. But, oh, this duel between Steph and Luka in the fourth quarter. I mean, when your two leading scorers are also point guards for their team, that uh, was just such a beautiful back-and-forth punch counter offense to watch. And they do it in such different ways, right? Yes and no. I, I was really cognizant of, like, both players are just so dangerous with the ball in their hands and use that gravity so effectively to generate open looks for their teammates. So less of an X and O's way. But yeah, in terms of build, in terms of strengths, absolutely. Uh, and maybe the Mavericks having to play so many clutch games, having the experience factor is what showed up here. Uh, Luca stays a little more consistent, gets one or two of his teammates to make a couple more open shots. Though I'd say uh, the Warriors missing more open shots throughout that last eight-minute stretch or so overall. Uh, Steph gets called on a travel with less than 30 seconds to go. Uh, this one kind of like the super, super blatant version of the hero travel, uh, where it wasn't just like a three millimeter slide. It was a proper lift and 10 centimeter step uh, changing pivot feet. So I was pretty happy to see that called. Uh, the Mavs, of course, can't hit both free throws that they get off of that and put it totally two possessions away. Clay Thompson ends up getting an open three-point look. Um, and doesn't hit that for the Mavericks to win. So the up and downs of his season continuing, I think he had five points that game. But really the exclamation marks just go on the Steph versus Luka duel. That was so much fun going down the fourth. Uh, the West remains wide, wide open. Yeah, I mean, it's silly to even say, but the Lakers are three games back of fourth place in the West, something like that. Um, and I wouldn't count on them getting there, but it's it's wide open in the Western Conference, and Phoenix has been fantastic. We'll get to Booker in a sec, and Denver's been really fun so far in the early stages. Utah's dropped off a bit, and that's allowed uh, the Mavericks and Warriors to kind of stay in the middle of the pack. We'll whip around here uh, quickly on some other things. Kevin Durant passes Jerry West for eighth most 30-point games in NBA history. He's been averaging over 37 points in his last four games, just lighting it up and allowing the Brooklyn Nets to claw themselves now into contention for an actual playoff spot and not a play-in spot. And no Ben Simmons, uh, again, managing some injuries there, but yeah, if Kevin Durant's going to keep playing like this, then he's going to rise the ranks in the MVP conversation. He's just he's one of seven 30-point scorers right now in the league, which is beyond impressive, and he's been doing it for so many years. Other thing I saw from last night, uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns, of course, out for an extended period of time. We found that out two nights ago. And in their first game, um, it's not necessarily the the best thing that could have happened to Anthony Edwards. But my theory is this. When you have Carl Anthony Towns on your team, you have to run plays for him because he was your number one overall pick and a guy who has proven to be a really, really solid offensive player. But Anthony Edwards, I think, is the highest ceiling player on this team. And so his usage rate is going to just naturally go up by having one less offensive creator to share the ball with. And it proved out he had a great game last night, 29, against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And even though Gobert doesn't necessarily fit with his style of game uh, as a paint packer, he was able to navigate the pick and roll a little bit more efficiently. And now with Cat out, he's going to get a lot more run and a lot more reps of running with Rudy Gobert. And I don't know how much these two love each other, but they're going to have to play through it. And this could benefit them down the stretch of the season if they're able to find a little bit of success in that duo because they haven't. Uh, and and if they can do that, and then Carl Anthony Towns comes back to space the floor for them, that at least offensively could solve a lot of their problems. And defensively is where Towns kind of draws this team back. So that'll be another floor raiser uh, for this team in the absence and something to just get a different look at. Uh, it yeah, it, it seems like there's a lot of bad feelings and vibes going in like a spider web of directions in this locker room from the stuff I heard. So I don't know if you can chalk it to change any one piece and improve it. But as we like to say, winning does solve a lot of things. Exactly. A couple of winners that we have listed here. Uh, Player of the Month Award, Devin Booker and Jason Tatum. And Booker goes for 51 to kind of cap off his resume for it last night and i think tatum what had 49 the other night these guys are sensational and two of the next wave of of nba superstars that have arrived on the scene right it's it's that curry uh lebron durant is handing it off to truly Giannis and luka and Jokic and booker and tatum uh and the league is in great hands and these guys have been nothing short of phenomenal so far this season You've running their watching, teams to great records. You've been watching Hero Ball, haven't you? What's that? Oh, you haven't seen it? No. It's it's not from a Bleacher Report. It's kind of the next continuation of like Game of Zones. It it's like an anime. It's not like any one show. Like they've just made an anime of basketball, and there's like little references you can catch. Yeah. Um, but the overarching plot is uh, like. LeBron and Curry and KD and I think Jokic is part of them as well not sure how that decision making goes are like this like villain headquarters trying to prevent the next generation from like taking over uh so like the first game had Embiid like battling Tatum I think as a reference to like the opening night and there were some nice Harden references in there as well uh, and then like Luca Don Luca Booker and Giannis were like trying to take Giannis's double MVP and uh my favorite was they like went under a sleeping city to wake up the sleeping Kawhi like robot yeah um and Luca was terrified of him Naturally, naturally. Yes. Anyway, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, the I guess that show proving a bit prophetic with the players of the month selections. 
uh, the two leading teams in the East and West and their two leading scores, respectively. Uh, the depth also a huge part of those teams' success. Little interesting how that gets weighed and judged a little differently than MVP. But in a season where, as you said, 30 player or seven players are above 30 so far, uh, it feels like there's no bad options for this pick. And especially with uh, how successful the Celtics have been. With Suns too, number one yeah. in the West. And however Just, great they've been offensively, it's the defense that's taken a step forward for both of these guys. It's unbelievable. Booker was never really known for his defense, but he's he's got a great frame and he's been able to stay in front of dudes. Uh, and him and Campaign have played some really great perimeter defense, not to mention, of course, Bridges uh, in that mix. And then Tatum had a play last night where my jaw hit the floor. Uh, it was kind of a, a pin down screen. Uh, on the on the left side for someone kind of flaring out to the corner for a three and and Tatum was the one who was about to get screened and he just read the play kind of swam past the screen and picked off the pass with one hand going from the top all the way to the corner and just took off the other way uh, and and made the basket and was like there's maybe three guys in the league who could make that play like OG's on that list but I don't even know if he has the hands right like the soft hands of a Jason Tatum, it's kind of like, yeah, it, it was unbelievable to see him make that play. Uh, and he's been blowing up stuff all year as well. Uh, yeah, these two are are in the top five of the MVP conversation, I think at this point with their performance last month, and it's been on both sides of the floor. Yeah, and we have a little more data on this one, 20 games and through the season for the first selection as the October ones get selected as well. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to take a more, have a more conclusive take on the first section of the season. It feels like the East has just, like both team or both sides had a weird start with the over and underperforming of certain teams. And in the East, it feels like we're a little further along in the natural return to means and acceleration of that. Whereas in the West, it's, as you said, so ridiculously tight, uh, like teams one through 12, honestly. And even like the Suns 16 and 5, the Rockets 5 and 16. Um, with like I feel like there have been season wars where it's like a 21 and 2 to 2 and 21 spread 1 through 15. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the only team in the East that's not regressed is uh Indiana. They've been so much fun. And they get the the game winning buzzer beater against the Lakers, Andrew Nemhard, Canadian kid. Uh, from a great assist from Halliburton, who is on a 40 assist without a turnover streak right now. Right. <laughs> He's been fantastic. And shout out to our other Canadian kid, Benedict Matherin, who is averaging over 20 points a game off the bench and is leading the rookie of the year race right now. He has been awesome. Future of Canada is in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, with Duarte as well. All right. Um, Max, NBA crunch time uh, did exist briefly last year. It's usually on Friday nights, uh, like once a month. But I think this is the future of NBA watching where I've told you about the concept of NFL red zone, correct? Yes. This is that for the NBA. So anytime, I'd say anytime there's at least six games going on on an NBA slate on any given night, you want one or two people sitting there 
uh, to be able to whip around to the different games and show you all the action that's going on simultaneously. Sometimes you've got two games up at the same time, but it's always going to tune into the games that are close or in the late stages. Uh, and that way you can get a great basketball viewing experience. You don't have to flip back and forth between game and game. You don't have to watch the commercials, which is huge. Um, and and I think Jerry Greenberg, who's ran it last night and who has been doing it, did a great job. Uh, they throw in a lot of the betting aspect to it as well. So they would show the last couple of free throws of the game if it impacted a spread. Um, and and yeah, it just looks like the new age watching. I do like some of the statistics you can add in the in the NBA app as well. However slow it might be operating on my phone, uh, but NBA crunch time, man, it is the future of watching. And I really enjoyed it last night. And I hope they keep uh, increasing the amount of time that it's on. It's an interesting idea for sure. It, it's frustrating sometimes as a fan where you feel it's just the last two, five, six minutes that matter to decide a game. But at the same time, you want to have the story of what got there. And if you're flipping on and off throughout the night, you'll get some of that to some extent. Um, but yeah, I, I think at least when you're thinking about the marketing of basketball to the general public, something like that makes a lot of sense. Looking forward to some more NBA crunch time in the future. Uh, and that is going to do it for our sports talk on this one. Uh, once again, heavy NBA show, and there'll be plenty more to talk about as uh, we head into December. Bundle up, take your Tylenol. That's what I'm about to go do. And uh, hopefully I'll be resting, recuperated in time for Sunday's pod. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, oh, you can thank me when we get off air for going the entire pod without talking about Yee's comments on the Alex Jones podcast, Sports <laughs> Next Door, signing out.